On this week's Inside Marketing, we'll be talking about Web 3.0. We'll talk about the metaverse and NFTs. We'll ask whether it's all just a fad or whether it's something that's here to stay. I'll be joined by Chris Twining, who is Chief Innovation and Media Officer on the Caring Business at Dentsu. So join us as we talk Web 3.0 only on this week's Inside Marketing. The Inside Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Dentsu and Irish Times Media Solutions. Hello and welcome to this week's Inside Marketing. As I said in the intro, I'm joined by uh, Chris Twining and we are going to be talking about Web 3.0 and the metaverse and and things like that. So this is going to be a really interesting one. Um, before we get started, Chris, well, thanks a million for joining me today. You're a busy man. Thanks for joining me. Um, so how's how's business? How's, how's work? What's the office like? Are you back in the office now and what's that feeling like? Is it all good? Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave, first and foremost. I mean, at the moment, uh, yes, it's incredibly busy. I mean, on the clients I work on, we're heading into a busy period with fashion weeks and uh, everyone kind of wanting to focus on like, the innovation space. So for me, it's a very busy period, but I'm actually in the office today and there's about three people here. So uh, yeah, Same here. I come in, there's about, there's about five, there's six people, five or six people in and it's literally like a ghost town. It's crazy. Yeah. So um, that's just the way it is, I guess. But yeah, no, you mentioned that with your clients and I forgot to say in the intro, you're um, global innovation and media director on caring business so i'd say that's that was a recent win they keeping you busy they keep me very busy yeah i mean previously i was working on burberry and now i'm working across about six or seven different brands at any given moment so yeah keeping me very busy but it's all good it's, it's a really enjoyable kind of sector to be in there's always something happening so yeah it's all good yeah and i i actually i saw some of that pitch um and it was very Meta, very apt for what we're going to talk about. It was very metaverse heavy and even the presentation style of it, it was kind of it's one of those things that's going well that's kind of that's really different so yeah listen it's going to be great we'll crack on because I, I don't want to keep you too long so um as I said, we're, like, we're, we're going to cover, we'll cover quite a bit of stuff, actually. We're going to talk about Web 3.0, and we will start to talk about the metaverse and NFTs. But look, let's just start off at, at, at the start um, and talk about the, the iteration of the web as we know it. So Web 1.0 was around commerce, too, was a social web. So what's Web 3.0 about with this next generation or next iteration of the web? What's it about? What's Web 3.0 and what's different about it? Sure. So obviously there's a lot of noise at the moment about Web3 and people are kind of having their own opinion of what that space could potentially be. But for me personally, I see it as a new space of collaboration and people coming together to democratize the web and kind of move away from the wall gardens that we're used to with Web2. I think there's so much negative press at the moment around those Web2 platforms like your Metas and your Googles. And there's obviously a lot of happening around antitrust. I think a lot of people realize, particularly during the pandemic, that these new technologies are allowing for greater creation and collaboration. So I think we're starting to see this space emerge uh, as that and people coming together in that space to create new technologies that are going to kind of maybe see the next 10 to 15 years of the web. Um, there's obviously a lot of things associated with Web3. When you think of NFTs, obviously, we heard a lot about NFTs during 2020 and 2021. Um, we're seeing a bit of a downturn in that space. And I know we talk about that later, but there's also so much more to it as well, right? It's that immersive metaverse experience as well, where we're thinking that we're going into this world where everyone's going to be immersed in these digital experiences and they live out their day-to-day life in that world. Again, I think we're a long way from anything like that actually happening, but I think the ambition and the fact we have that ambition with the technology is great. And I'm incredibly bullish on this space. I think there's a lot happening and, and, 
as it is incredibly nascent at this moment, I think we're going to get to a point where we start to see kind of technology catch up with the ideas in this space. So going kind of background to your question, I think it's the democratization of the web as we know it, and these new technologies allow for greater collaboration. Um, and you're going to see a ton of different creators emerging in that space to build the new iteration of what the web could be. Okay, right. I'll say this now, this time. I may, I may say this again, super question potentially coming up, coming at you now. Um, you say that Web3 is a, is a much more democratized web and a decentralization of ownership. So just just so I get it, can you can you explain that to me in simple English? So, so I understand what, what you mean by that. Yeah, so I think if you compare it to where Web2 is, very much kind of centralized web in these wall gardens, what we're moving into is this world where new technologies like blockchain technologies allow people to build new applications and new systems on this layer of technology. If you think about it as layers of a cake, this is a nice analogy that I've had. Layer one is kind of the building blocks and the fundamentals of the technology. And you're seeing people come along and create that second layer on there. So utilizing the technologies that underpin all this space to build new apps that can give you kind of like NFT marketplaces, give you kind of new forms of communication, like social apps, for example. These decentralized apps are just built on the blockchain, essentially aren't using the typical kind of wall garden mechanics of what Web2 currently is. So think about it as the decentralization and the democratization because the fact that it it kind of is built on this layer of blockchain, which is totally visible and transparent to anyone that kind of wants to go into that technology. Mm. Um, we, could, we could speak for a whole hour about what blockchain is and all the different layers to it. But I think the, this, the simple answer is think of layer one as like the foundations. We're now kind of seeing these apps and these new models being built onto that layer two, which is where these different creators and these different, um, these different technologies and applications are coming from, basically. Right. Um and as we said, you said before we were even, when we were chatting off mic, I was going to do this about the metaverse. And you're saying, well, it's not really about the metaverse, about Web3, which is much broader. Um, so, but the metaverse kind of underpins or kind of is a, we hear a lot about the metaverse at the moment. It's kind of making, and NFTs, but we'll touch on them later on. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if I fully get it. So in my mind, um, and from what I've read and what I've heard about the metaverse, it's kind of a, it's it's a virtual world, obviously, it's a cyberspace, a, a, a virtual world. But I think, you know, there's lots of those things already that exist at the moment. You think about, um, you know, a persistent digital a persistent digital or virtual world so that the thing keeps happening and it's living and breathing not like a game which it stops when you turn it off and you leave that game it kind of stops for you the thing is living and breathing and it keeps going is that am I even close with with, with my understanding of it there or is that completely wrong because I'm not sure I fully get it I'm sure a lot of people don't really get what it is at the moment um, so what is the metaverse really in terms no, of that one I think yeah, there's two kind of answers to that. I think you're not far off in your understanding of it being like an always-on persistent experience. Um, I think you're seeing different brands tap into that space. And I mean, we, it's not a new format when you think about it. We've had the likes of Second Life in the past, even Sims, right? You have mm. Sims where you would go away from the game and, and things would be happening in the background. If you neglected your characters, then that like, they could die, right? Like that's a that's a persistent experience when you think about it. Mm. But with this new kind of metaverse uh, proposal that people are thinking about now, I think it's taking the bits of which we understand that like, always on persistent experience, but underpinning it with new forms of kind of economy and tokenomics. Um, and this is again where it kind of comes back to that point around the blockchain, right? Like you've got worlds like the Sandbox and you've got worlds like Decentraland. What makes them unique versus other games is that everything in the game is purchasable via NFTs. So you 
buy a land package that's an NFT, you have proof of ownership of that land and therefore you can rent that land out, you can build on it, so on and so forth. Um, me personally, I think we're a long way off again from the, the vision of the metaverse where you go into this world and you start to do things that kind of impact the real world or you go in there to do your work, for example. Like you could you could kind of apply what we're doing now with Teams, right? Teams mm. is a form of the metaverse where I can tap in at any moment from a virtual perspective and I can speak to my colleagues, my friends, so on and so forth. And I think what you'll see with the likes of Microsoft with Teams, for example, is kind of bringing together the worlds of gaming and work and kind of there might be a time in which me and you are having this conversation over teams with avatars right it's not going to be just like us in our physical form it could be us for our digital identities and that kind of thing so i think that's kind of one side to it the other side of it from a, a metaverse perspective is there's layers again to what that is and the understanding of it because Again, it's not just VR and AR, it's not just gaming, it's not just these new economies. There's mm. so much going on in that space that's kind of been bucketed under this umbrella. And I think it's quite risky for us as marketers because you get briefs like we want to do a metaverse-based experience, but it's like, to what level? Like we've been doing in-game advertising now for about three or four years. That's like a standard form of media. And you could say, well, it's in-game, but it's also in the metaverse. So there's there's kind of layers to this stuff. And I think it's really kind of on us as marketers with our clients to make sure that we're guiding them in the correct manner. And that if we are kind of working towards this vision of the metaverse, we break it down into those kind of constituent parts that bring together that bigger vision. Um, and like, I give you an example. I think like you have companies like Niantic with Pokemon Go, for example, being able to tie that digital world to the physical world and, and create that digital layer to those physical experience. I think that's a really nice analogy for how we can blend the two worlds and create that meta kind of approach to the real world. Um, so, yeah. Mm. Yeah, because you mentioned it there, and I think this is partly why some people struggle with it, because it's 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 not new in 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 entirely new at, at, at in any stretch of the imagination because like we already have lots of virtual immersive digital universes like you mentioned loads in Roblox and and Fortnite but they're effectively all a bit like Facebook they're they're effectively walled gardens so your whatever you have your characters or your your avatars whatever they they exist in that. Um, space and they don't you can't transfer them outside that space so I know I'm, I'm sticking with in gaming for a second but is is the idea of, of a metaverse in, in its kind of truest form an idea that you could have in gaming parlance a, a, a persistent character across different things so you could own assets in one thing and not just ring fence to Fortnite you could transfer assets in between different walled gardens if, if, if you will and um, and you have a more persistent identity across different universes. Is that kind of what I'm, what in in gaming sense is, is that? Or am I getting my way off? We'll, go, we'll get into brand no, no. stuff in a minute, but you're you're on the money. I think the key word here is interoperability, right? Like it's not a new um, it's not a new idea interoperability, but from a like web free perspective, what that allows for is you to be able to have an identity or have assets in a single space in the digital world, be able to transfer them into different worlds. So an example would be I have an identity in Fortnite, I have my skin that mm. I buy in that game. Am I then able to take that skin into worlds like Minecraft, into Roblox, so on and so forth? And there's already organizations out there that are, are doing a lot in this space. So one that comes to mind is Crucible. Uh, and what Crucible do is they're basically building the STK between the different game engines that allow you to take your identity across these different worlds. And I think they're in beta right now. Like They're, they're kind of at, at a point where they're actually able to make that technology work. And you think what that will mean for 
for kind of the democratization again of the gaming space where all of these organizations are making millions if not billions off these digital assets and skins what happens to that marketplace when you're able to take your identity or your assets across the different types of worlds hmm. yeah yeah so it, and you know, i know we've talked about gaming but like it's not it's obviously it's not about gaming the growth is not going to be game because gaming has been doing this successfully for ages so and i know it is nascent you you mentioned earlier it's quite nascent at the moment the whole idea of the metaverse but like if you take it literally it, it's supposed to mean a a single virtual universe rather than you know what we have as one was multiverses if you will so um that to me seems like it's really, really far away because the whole concept of this involves cooperation or, you know, to, to have a single meta metaverse, all the big tech companies are going to want their um, metaverse, as, if you will, or whatever they build their, their kind of wall garden to be the one, the, the standard. And that's not going to happen. And even looking at cooperation about like joint ventures between, they're not good at, like the, the big tech guys, Apple and Google and Facebook, they're not good at working together. They're not good at sharing. Um, they want you on their platform and they are closed systems. So they, and they've, they've kind of, they're happy to coexist with everyone else. But I cannot see a situation where they're, or maybe, maybe I'm just naive, maybe they will, but like for a metaverse to truly happen, doesn't it, um, require cooperation of, of all these kind of collective universes or different universes they need to come together um, is that is, is that likely to happen because um, at the moment I think we're in would it be fair to say that we're in a we've a lot of we're in a multiverse era at the moment and, and the true metaverse requires you know it's like Google it's the internet is the internet and Google it operates within that as is Facebook and the metaverse is the metaverse but we'll have lots of different universes in that do you see them all collaborating or do you see it I might be in too literal you're saying yeah I know that's what metaverse means it's not actually going to be one you know um, kind of digital universe that everyone kind of or, or is it is that the, is that the aim yeah I think again when you talk about like the metaverse, if you take that gaming approach and you think about the different ones, like your multiverse analogy, I can't see a world where we have a single mm. entry point to this world. I think there's too much riding on these different organizations. Like you've got Epic in one side, you've got uh, Roblox as an organization, what they're creating. You also got all these new different web free based studios starting to create IP. Like you can't see a world in which that's all coming together. And that's why I think like, if you were to say to me, what's the metaverse now? It's like we've got this open world, this physical world where we're used to have like messaging through digital billboards, through kind of interactive interactive moments as you kind of scan a QR code or something like that. Like what happens when technology catches up with the physical world in the sense of AR, VR, um, and we're able to kind of have that kind of digital layer to the physical world. That to me is the true metaverse, right? Because it's about having this space that already exists and just enhancing it from a digital perspective. And like you think about different forms of payment through like crypto and that kind of thing, like when that starts to become more of a mainstream thing and a mainstream technology plugged into the everyday world, mm. I think you create that layer of, of digital, you create that metaverse layer to the physical world. To your point, I can never see the the kind of coming together of these different institutions. Like if you look at what Meta's doing right now and every week it feels like there's an update from them, whether it's a new headset or kind of integrating different gaming studios into their into their stack so that they're kind of building what Mark Zuckerberg perceives to be the metaverse. Like I can't see a world in which these these games that already have this kind of big MMO, like massive multiplayer online spaces mm. come in to, to Mark Zuckerberg to be like, let's collaborate. I can't see that, yeah. especially with a negative press that's around that organization as well. Yeah, so it's probably, I mean, that's the, 
it's probably not meant to be literally a single um it's connected multiverse is probably where we'll end up and there'll probably be a couple of big ones um you know all the tech because each of the tech players the big companies will, will want to have their um version so we'll, we'll, it'll probably be no different than have we have google and um facebook and different social platforms on the web um now, again, moving away from gaming, I know Mark Zuckerberg, I've seen some of the videos they're doing. It all looks really childish at the moment. I know it won't be like that in time, but like I put, I used Oculus a while ago and I felt ill when I was using it. It's just weird. I just felt ill and I was kind of dizzy when I took it off. And there's an article in New Science magazine um, this week, I think it was, and basically 18 students did a test. They lived in, in the virtual um, universe on the metaverse for, for a week as a study and they had they, they basically stayed on it all the time and they could, they went through their normal week um, but in a virtual world. Two of them had to drop out because they were, they were nauseous and they felt sick. And then there's a whole load of stats how other people had headaches, they, their, their vision, their, their eyes were hurting them and they felt less productive. So the whole thing is based on enhanced productivity but actually overexposure to that, um, you know, headset technology is is counterproductive because it, it made people less productive was what that article. And that's only one study, by the way, as well. So you can't say that's you know it's it's a it's a robust piece of work. But it's mm. just interesting because you know that is that is what that is what Zuckerberg says. He says it's going that's we're all going to live like that. I don't know. Maybe you know. Do you think it's just uh, kind of teething problems with that because it does make us feel nauseous, or do you think it'll get better, or do you think again? The, you're being too literal. The um, the ambition is never to live in this metaverse, you know, twenty four seven. Um, and of course, that's going to if you if you do it for too long, if you've got teams calls for too long, you feel sick. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if you saw that, um, but yeah, it was an interesting article. So, what do you think? Do you think it'll 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 get better or? I mean, again, it's not great. It, it, yeah, it goes back to that point. Like we're we're still incredibly incredibly nascent. Like we're at the ground floor of a lot of this technology, and I know there's been early iterations of different types of like head headsets, wherever it be like the Google Glass that obviously failed. Mm. Um, and then we're now back to that world of full immersive like headset experiences. I myself, I've done the same. Like you kind of lose your depth perception. Yeah. You don't have that peripheral vision. It really is quite jarring when you have those headsets on. But yeah, I, I can't see it ever being something that takes over completely. I think it's a bit dystopian if we think of it like that. I do think, and I know we were kind of, we were on this subject and we come away from it, but it is like at now, right at this point, the enhancement of the gaming experience and the enhancement of real life experiences that can be experienced, experienced in this virtual world, right? Like if you think concerts, so we've got Glastonbury Festival and as we speak, like is there a world in which you can utilize that technology to take people into that experience? Um, and you're starting to see different versions of that. There's a, an experience currently down at uh, the Barbican Center that Chanel have been doing. Um, I can't remember the name of the actual experience itself, but basically you, 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 you go into this experience for a virtual headset and there's basically like this, this, this musical that plays out that's been mm. designed uh, by Chanel with all of the costumes and the virtual kind of garments in it. Now, that's a really nice way of thinking about it. Like, if I could compare it to them, it's almost like a silent rave, but more so as in not the head, like, having, like, earpiece on. You have it over your face and you get to experience something that isn't necessarily there, but you're, it's, it's an exclusive experience. Mm. And I think there's a world in which that that technology becomes more entertainment-led than it does actually yeah. kind of a productive working technology. Um but who am I to say, like, there could be, I think we've seen like HoloLens as well was another example where you have that kind of real and 
digital kind of layer so you can kind of go between the two that might be something it might be a bit of a happy medium basically right. that we come to comes to fruition so that we can integrate it into different kind of working environments basically yeah some kind of blended um kind of version of of well, augmented reality if you will rather than full-on virtual reality so uh, yeah we talked we've talked a lot of, you mentioned facebook there and facebook were were very early doors out to say the, fu- the, the future will be a meta future um, and they I don't know you know how much of this rebranding and all was, was sleight of hand and you know distraction of other things that were going on but anyway they they put their bets on their big bets are um, a meta a, a meta future a metaverse future and like now it makes sense now given they bought Oculus 10 years ago and they like they didn't do an awful lot with it let's be honest I don't think that I, I don't think they did an awful lot with it from what I could see Um but they're coming out now. They're making big noises about it. The hardware is still probably quite expensive. That will get cheaper, I think, in time. But it sounds mad to me now that they would go off and try and build this. Given what we talked about, there's other companies that are absolutely experts in, in creating and building um, digital virtual universes and worlds. Why don't they just buy this? Because they're not great innovators. I think it's fair to say they were probably a good innovator at the start. They're not great innovators now. They're great at copying other people and buying. Um, I might be a bit hard, but they're, they, they, most of their um, innovation comes from acquiring business. Why don't they just buy a gaming company? Or, or is it a case yeah. they wouldn't be allowed? It was, might that be a problem? Yeah, I mean, I, it was going to be my point, right? Their proven track record in their history is they're great acquirers, not builders. Yeah. Um, but I think because of this kind of it's such a pivot, right? It's such a pivot from the business model they were operating on, say, like two years ago. And we know everything that's happened in between, right? We mentioned earlier antitrust. There's mm. obviously been scandals around like use of PII. Um, I think it, it comes down to that point of like, yes, you could go and acquire like a, a, a studio that allows you to build this kind of stuff. But with that, that kind of antitrust and that kind of anti-competitive nature of doing something like that i don't think in this day and age that they would be able to do it i think it's almost like they would they would monopolize such a nascent space so soon that we might lose kind of a view of what's happening and i think it comes back to that point i made at the beginning around what web3 is right web3 isn't about having a a dominating technology or a developer or a a platform that kind of owns Mm. the space the beauty of this space and why i love this space is that the the floodgates have opened of creativity and creation. I think it's such an amazing time. And and really kind of the main thing that came out of the kind of pandemic for me was being able to tap into this new space, meet these new people like visionaries that are building new technologies that you wouldn't even think of. And obviously there's been a bit of a slowdown with more macro stuff that's going on in the world, but equally you're still seeing this vision of them kind of pursuing this kind of new version of what the internet could be going back to the origins of democratized web like for the builders for the creators Mm. not for the monetization of user data i think that's never going to go away but it shouldn't be the one kind of main thing of of what the web is about and right now it very much feels like that right even for us in the advertising and marketing space it really feels like like there's this common currency of user data. And mm. if we if we shift away from that and it's about creation and productization, I think that's a that's a that's a much nicer way of looking at the web and being in that space where you can kind of collaborate and build these new ideas and these new concepts with with very talented and, and visionary people. Mm. Yeah, it's it, it is it's really it's really interesting 
the whole concept and the topic is really interesting, development and just how, how the web evolves and, and reiterates. Um, and you talked about our industry there. Like, like we love our false gods, like the, mm. the people in our industry. And there's so much, which is why I think sometimes, you know, people are, because when we get excited about things and we start talking about them too much and get over excited about things and you know we big things up there's a lot of kind of metaverse masturbation going on at the moment and <laughs> I've, I've seen a lot of the videos I've seen a lot of even Facebook or meta stuff they've put out like the you know their, their version of or their, their kind of vision for the future and to me a lot of this feels something like, you know concept cars you know the way we see these cars and concept cars and you see what they look like and they're, they're kind of but you'll never see them on a the road. So what, I, I just don't know what I'm looking at, at the moment, whether these videos are just complete nonsense or whether whether we will actually, they, it will look like that when it kind of, when it happens fully or as it evolves, it probably won't. Um, but I do think, you know, given our industry, like we've bought, you, you mentioned Google Glass, we, we've bought Magic Beans before. We were very quick. I mean, it was, it was we, we were banging on about 3D televisions. That didn't work either. And people said, you know, that, that died. So innovation, Google Glass, I would even argue Oculus, you know, and kind of VR and AR. We've got excited about these things before and they haven't quite happened. So I think I know your your answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway, do you think that there's a danger here that we are, us as an industry, are getting terribly excited about, you know, metaverses and NFTs? Um, it's overhyped, and it's. I think a lot of this, a lot of the boom has been fueled by private equity. Um, you know, people NFTs at the moment. Maybe people missed rightly. They were lucky if they did on on Bitcoin and stuff like that. But people wanting to get rich quick, and they're seeing the metaverse and NFTs as a. You know, I don't want to miss that. So it's overhyped. It's overfueled. There's an NFT or there's kind of a metaverse bubble at the moment. Do you think that this is overhyped or? I, I guess you think you, you're you're back and it's going to work. That the metaverse is going to work. This is not a fad. It's not it's not three D TV, but is it just a little bit overhyped at the moment? Definitely. Like there's so much hype around this, and and again, like as we're recording, we've just seen Can uh, come back post pandemic, and any kind of trade press you read or any articles, I'd say. 90% of it is around this metaverse world. You're seeing what publishers are doing with their chief, uh, like, uh, what's his name? They've created, like, a chief metaverse oh, officer yeah. with, like, this virtual character. And, like, it's it's very, very gimmicky, right? And yeah. obviously behind the scenes on our side, from a density perspective, there's loads of conversation about what is the right approach with this space. Yes, to your point, again, it is extremely gimmicky. And I think... We have to remember why we got into this game in the first place. A lot of people just fall into media and, and the creative industries, right? I myself, I actually wanted to come into advertising. I studied for that. Um, and it's because I love great ads, right? Mm. Like how ads make you feel, make you laugh, they can make you cry, they can give you that warm, fuzzy feeling. Does the metaverse do that? No, it, it definitely doesn't, right? It's, mm. it's one of those things where we're kind of jumping the gun and we're saying all these things of what it could be and... I think right now we're not quite at that inflection point of technology, right? The technology yeah. isn't catching up with where people's kind of imagination is taking them. So I think, and you mentioned it around AR, VR, like we've had it, we've been there with it. I think it is that point around technology. As the technology catches up with the ambition of the space, those AR experiences, whether it be in an app or in a, in a mobile web experience, they're starting to get better. They really are. Like virtual try-on of, of virtual clothing. Mm. You say five years ago, if you looked at technology, it was clunky, it was horrible, mm. it would render properly. Some of the brands you work with now, you can do it and it looks incredible. Like I've seen examples from the likes of Snap where 
they can put a bag on someone and it looks like the real thing. Mm. And you've seen a lot with, with, with trainers or sneakers where people can try them on and, and, and the render is perfect. These are the kind of little pigeon steps that are being taken to make right. this technology a reality. I think, yes, everyone needs to calm down a little bit. Uh, and I also need, I think with, with the kind of whole concept of web free right now, it's got that gloss to it, but we need to think about like, in my opinion, we need to get to a point where it's not a fad and we're not talking about things like that as a fad. We're talking mm. about them as a necessary technology that allows us to enhance that marketing experience. So I'll give you an example with an NFT. Obviously, majority of the user cases right now with NFTs has been about uh, kind of having that profile picture on Twitter that gives you access to this community mm. that who, know what, who knows what that community does. But I think if we start thinking about like, in our world, the next form of kind of loyalty programs through an NFT technology, mm. what does that give you access to with a brand? Does it give you exclusive access to the next kind of drop of product or does it give yeah. you kind of discount at the next time round? Like we need to apply these technologies to what we know in our world and think about the user cases in that way, rather than it being this kind of futuristic ownership of a digital asset that does X, Y, Z. What does the fundamental technology allow us to do to enhance what we do in the marketing world. I think that's really kind of a key thing. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, look, because the media likes to pick up on, on the ridiculous things and kind of silly things that are going on because 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 they are silly and they're the things that kind of make the headlines. And, and you're right. I think it's more about that application of technology and it's not about owning, you know, a, a digital image of a chimp or whatever the case may be, whatever those first things were. So um, again, just talk about like, we, we've talked about social media um, and nothing has only upsides, right? So I, I grant that. So this is not, I don't have a dig at anybody here, but like we know that social media in particular has had some pretty damaging unintended consequences, um, negative impact on young people and all and cyberbullying. Um, and the idea of a virtual world is, is kind of upgrading those experiences. But is there a danger then at the same time that you upgrade or you magnify or you multiply the bad things that are happening? So bullying, gets worse um, in that because I read an article a couple of weeks ago about a case about you know, harassment on the metaverse. So, do you think that the, the, whoever the guardians of of these um, you know digital immersive universes are, whether Facebook have one or whoever it is, do you think they need to do better this time in terms of making sure that they police that and, and they kind of make it a safer environment than they've done before? I think they've been a little bit neglectful in terms of how how seriously they, they've acted on on harmful things. So should we try and build better? If we're building now again a, a new version of things, do you think it should be built better? Do you have any confidence that it will be built better? Yeah, I think like these these companies, like if we think, if we take that Facebook slash Meta example, I don't think they can afford to get it wrong again, right? Like they mm. need to get it right this first time round considering the history of, of like you mentioned online and cyberbullying. But when we think about these virtual worlds that are, exclusive to the blockchain and this decentralized web. The issue you've got there is there is no governing party. There is no governing body to kind of be put in place. I saw that um, some of the kind of big tech players in this space have, have formed a bit of a committee around the metaverse over the last couple of weeks, but it's all still TBC in terms of what that's actually going to mean. Um, but yeah, I think it's a real challenge, right? Anything new, any kind of new technologies that allow for communication you're always going to have that issue of like, how do you police and how do you control those different environments? I, I honestly don't have an answer in terms of how you would make sure that that is policed and make sure that it is a safe space for people to explore. 
without limiting the the vision of what that space could be around kind of being able to communicate with people in the virtual world. Um, mm. But I do think there needs to be kind of something done or something put in place early enough that it can kind of, it can be tracked, it can be kind of um, developed as it goes versus something negative happening. And I know there's been some cases there already, but something negative that happens again and again. And then we, when we put into practice, there needs to be kind of a standard set of protocols and controls put in place for people to be able to police it properly, in my opinion. Mm. But we're not quite there. No. Um, yeah. And it's early. Like it, it's, it, and there's all, look, there's, a, there's always going to be isolated instances and nothing is perfect, as I said. But I, I do think we do have an opportunity where we're building to try and build, build better at the moment. Um, we, we'll get on to NFTs. We've mentioned them a little bit. Um, uh, you know, but proof of ownership is is kind of, as you said earlier on, uh, uh, call it NFTs, but proof of ownership of digital assets is important and Web3 is built on that, you know, democratization. And, and NFTs kind of, and, and um, digital currencies underpin that. Um, but when you think of a digital universe, right, is is there, because I've read loads of stuff about this as well, people buying property in in um, in the metaverse and, you know, building, buying some famous people, you can buy a neighbour of, I can't remember who it was, Ryan Reynolds or somebody, you know, he's bought a shorefront property. You can buy space and, and it's sold. Is that a, is there a marketplace in this? Like, is this again all fad? Am I just reading on things that have been picked up or is this actually a genuine thing? Are people investing in properties in, in real estate, in the metaverse? Is this a thing? Because, yeah, because I just I'm not sure I get that. But is that is that really happening? Yeah, I mean, they are is the answer. But I think when you think about these worlds, right? So take the sandbox for example. They continually are growing the space. So it's not. It started as a space that has developed, has grown in size. In terms of the actual spaces themselves, you can liken it to the real world where, like, you've got your Beverly Hills of the sandbox, right, where people are going to have those kind of high-end properties or land packages that have been bought that will get more traction and more footfall. We're so early, but we're still in that stage of testing with these types of worlds where what does that even mean? Like, if you are to own one of the biggest land packages in that virtual world, like, what does that represent in form of utility? Like, are you going to be able to rent it out for for exhibitions and experiences for brands? Are you going to be able to build like a, a virtual shopping center or, or a virtual shopping alley that people can go down and and buy virtual goods? And it, it, again, I think it's really tricky to kind of say where the space is going because there's so much kind of hot air yeah. <laughs> being being kind of spoken about in terms of what it is. But from my perspective. I think there is kind of some significance to people putting money into these different virtual worlds. And I think you will see kind of like with all things like Pokemon cards, Mm -hmm. um, kind of trading cards with like sports stars, for example, the longer you hold them and the longer they mature and the technology develops, is it a thing where we're going to be like, well, they were the original OG metaverse spaces that you bought a land package in. Therefore it's got that limited first edition kind of feel to it. Right. Is it that, is it more of a collector's a thing collectible. than it is actually a utility thing right now? For me, it's more of a collectible. It's more of a, I was there first. Right. Um, but I do think what will happen with these virtual and these different kind of uh, digital spaces is there will be utility to them and there will be a world in which we blend that digital and physical. So if I buy an NFT in these virtual worlds, does it have real world value where I can take it to say like a a luxury fashion store and that gives me again access to something like doing doing a product drop in these virtual worlds outside of it just being 
like uh, like the first to know uh, on like the Nike app, for example, that that pair of sneakers is coming. Do I have to go into these virtual experiences to to redeem or to do something to get access? Like that's where I think the utility will come. But again, far too early to say. I think is right now. It's more. Of, oh, I got there first. I right. own this. And it's, it's a way of, of storing value, right? At the end of the day, like people are storing their value in these different virtual worlds and everything's down right now. Like the NFT market's down, um, as as is the real world, like with the yeah. markets, everything is down. So it's, it's hard to say right now where it's going. But I think if you look in five years time, we look back to those people that own those original spaces, it might be more of a collectible than anything. Yeah, because it's hard. I, I mean, I don't. I, I really, I struggle with a lot of this, but I really struggle with the property thing because I get how property works in the real world because there's most of, of the landmass isn't beachfront, right? So beachfront is scarcity. A property in beachfront is scarcity because most of it is not because you're, you're, you're landlocked. But the idea of a metaverse could be, the, the metaverse itself could be, there's no, there's no scarcity, it's an infinite supply. So you could just have, everybody could have a beachfront property in the metaverse. The whole thing could just be one big, long, infinitely long Beachfront, if you wanted. So, so I don't understand how how value is um, created or who who determines the value of of land packages and things like that because it's completely art. You're 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 completely it's completely artificially man made effectively yeah. as opposed to a property. If you buy that property on on the beachfront, you know somebody else can't buy it. There's only so yeah, much it, beachfront. It's a totally speculative asset, right? But if you start to think and you tie it back to what we do in our world again. Like where you see brands like Gucci, Adidas buying up these land packages, that's where the interesting bit yeah. starts. Because if you're in proximity to that or you're able to do some sort of tie up where you can extend that land, so on and so forth, is there a form of value of that? Like, are we going to get people going into these worlds and they will be able to kind of do something in your space and then be able to redeem something in those right. broader spaces? Like, yeah, it's the gamification of it. Right. So I do think it's right now very speculative. Yeah, um, yeah. We could we could surmise what we think is going to happen, but we just don't know. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very hard to predict. Yeah, it's very nice at the moment. You mentioned a couple of brands there. So what are what are the type of things that, that you maybe you're working on or that you've seen? Kind of some of the, the the good examples of brands doing some good stuff in this space. I, I read that Heineken have created a brewery in the, in the metaverse on Decentraland. So how does that work? Like like what actually? What are they getting out of that? What are they doing it for? What what's what's the point of it? I don't mean it's as crudely as that, but like, what is the point of it? Is it a virtual experience um, that people take remotely to go into a tour of the brewery, or what is the point of it? And what or, yes. or Heineken, you know, I also said, sorry, double header question that like they they were the first beer brewed in the metaverse. I don't actually understand what that means. So can you can you help me get my head around that? Yeah, so this was actually a collaboration done with our team in the US at Dentsu. I think. They were given a brief about kind of opening up this new Heineken silver brand to a more younger audience. Um, and I think at the moment when they did that experience, like we were seeing the kind of height of the metaverse kind of in its early iterations. And they were able to build this experience within Decentraland where people could go in and they could explore the kind of life cycle of this new Heineken beer. Obviously, you mentioned that kind of first beer brewed in the metaverse if we put our marketing hats on, obviously it is a bit of a kind of gimmick tongue in cheek thing. Mm. Um, but that's kind of goes hand in hand with what the experience was and what was, what was kind of basically created in terms of creative persistent experience that had that gamified element to it, but also able to experience more about the brand. And I think they've seen tons of success with that, with people actually kind of going into the experience to find out more, um, and kind of interacting with like NPCs and non-playable characters and stuff that tell that story as you go around. And, 
it is just a new kind of canvas for brands like Heineken to explore, mm. right? Like Heineken are incredible at telling kind of emotive brand stories uh, through your more traditional means of media. This new format is just, it's another form of storytelling, but how you tell that story is the interesting bit and taking all the best bits of that gamified experience and kind of building that into a branded experience is, is kind of quite special when it lands and it lands really well. So I think that's kind of something that mm. will continue for them. And I think it's something um, that they were brave with, right? It takes yeah. a lot of bravery to yeah, build in these new definitely. spaces. So I think we'll see a development of that story, maybe into different worlds or, or the reincarnation of that type of experience they've already kind of built. Mm, yeah, no, you're right. And brands have to be, you know, now's the time to be, trying these things you know you get in and and you know if, if you're going to and everyone's going to make mistakes you're going to make mistakes make them when when the collateral damage is not so great so get in early and and try and figure things out um and i know you mentioned a couple of fashion brands there i know brands like gucci um they've created virtual products um you know bags or whatever and clothing and i know there's a big market for things in gaming like um you know skins and and even kind of clothing for for apart from the functionality of, of purchase you need for games like weaponry and stuff like that but there's kind of fashiony things um gucci for example you know is there a market for gucci creating a digital handbag again because a lot of people listening to this might go what what is the point of that because i get if i have a gucci handbag because i get to walk around with it and it, it, it's a kind of it shows you know i'm i can afford it it says something about my status are they creating are brands creating products like for the for the for the metaverse where you can buy Gucci handbags? Are they creating them? Are people buying them? Who's buying them? And is there a resale value in these things? Do you think, or is again, it's just too early to know if there's resale value? But are they collectible? And is there a marketplace for for products that they'd be selling? Yeah, I think it is that extension of one's identity in these different virtual worlds. Right, a trend that really started with the likes of Fortnite and Roblox are starting to kind of entice brands to build their own kind of different product or different things that people can use to have like as an extension of their identity. I think the bigger thing at play here is a entry route into the luxury fashion space for a younger audience. Um, so I think if you're able to buy, say, a Gucci handbag or a Balenciaga hoodie, uh, say for 10, 20 quid, like you're starting to nurture a really young audience into knowing what their favorite brands are, not just right. both in the physical sense where it's a bit more inaccessible due to the price tag, but in the virtual world as well, where they give you that kind of status, they give you that kind of appeal that that the real world brands and the real world products are able to create, right? So I think that Fortnite tie up with Balenciaga was incredibly smart. Like it, it allowed not just for Balenciaga to showcase their collection and to get people talking and create that PR buzz, but you've got kind of younger audiences now running around in Balenciaga fashion with the hope that you would nurture that audience into buying the, the, the physical items later on down the line. I think there's a real clever play there with that type of thing. Um, and I think long may it continue as well. I think it's a great, great kind of way to to kind of build brand credibility in in these different types of worlds where people are just spending more and more time, right? They're spending way more time in these gamified experiences than they are watching, say, like um, subscription VOD, like that kind of thing. Like we're already seeing like the downturn in that space from the big players. Like where are these people? They're in these gamified experiences and they are buying product. And again, we go back to that point as the technology develops, what does the utility of holding those types of items mean? If you buy the virtual item, 
can I then get access to the physical item like in a more easy way than just having to buy the physical item outright? Like mm. I think there's loads to play for in that world. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, you're right. Um, so like NFTs, we talked about them a lot, and, and crypto, they, they are hot topics and very topical at the moment. So so is energy, by the way, as well. Now, a lot of people may not realize that crypto and NFTs are actually damaging for the environment, again, because we think they're virtual and they don't exist in the real world, but they, they are damaging in terms of the, 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 product, the cost of production and, and the energy they use. So can you talk to me a little bit about that, why they're damaging? And is there any negativity around this as well? Is, is that going to, you know, apart from greenwashing, is it something that's going to come back to bite people or just how yeah. damaging are they? It's a great question. I think the the kind of connotations of it being bad for the environment really started with the, the crypto boom with Bitcoin, right? So just to kind of keep it quite simple in terms of how it works, you have the blockchain, you have blocks along that chain, and it takes a lot of computing power to unlock each block to be able to unlock that crypto. And in this this, this example, Bitcoin, and that works on a proof of work model. Mm. So what happens is that computing power has to, to drive the work to kind of solve these complex number strings or query strings that would unlock the block to unlock Bitcoin. Mm. And we've seen like, I mean, there's been images leaked online and stuff. You see these Bitcoin mining farms out in um, in Asia and stuff where there's these supercomputers basically tied up to a mainframe to, to, to mine these Bitcoins. And that proof of work model, like everyone within the Web3 space and the crypto space knows it's bad and they know that that's not how they can mm. move forward. And we're starting to see new models emerge like proof of stake where you have a set amount of stakers on a chain that are able to stake their own kind of crypto to then be able to support that mainnet, basically, where where it doesn't necessarily take that computing power to unlock everything. It just takes the willingness to be able to stake your tokens or your cryptocurrency to be able to then unlock more and more blocks. That proof of stake takes up a lot less energy. Right. And where you're starting to see these different solutions, like Ethereum, for example, they're, they're in the stages right now testing to move to a proof of stake model. It takes about as much energy consumption scrolling down your Instagram feed. It's it's not going to be the world that Bitcoin created. It's going to be mm. this much more efficient, much more eco-friendly technology, uh, and it will only get cleaner uh, mm. with the types of energy that power it. Um, so that that kind of connotation that we mentioned about it being bad for the environment will eventually okay. disappear, in my opinion. Um, but right now, there is still examples of it being bad for the environment. I think it's just. It's it's a it's a gold rush, right? People yeah, are yeah. doing whatever it takes to to get that value, to unlock that value. And some people it's not a priority environment. Yeah. Like obviously it's it's just one of those things and part of the space as it develops, it will hopefully start to ease off and we'll start to see it become a bit more environmentally friendly. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very early days at the moment. You're you're right. Um and because because NFTs are, are proof of ownership or um a certificate of ownership or, or exclusivity, brands can do some really interesting things. So you mentioned a couple of things earlier on as we were chatting. So, you know, a, a lot of people might might think um, board ape cartoons, stuff like that. That was the the, the the entry point into NFTs for me. I didn't. That was the first I'd heard about them. Really, well, you know, in a big way. So people would know about owning 
artwork, stuff like that. But you you touch on a, on a few things. NFTs are, are far more useful and more interesting than a, a certificate of proof of ownership. So what are the type of things that, that brands um, or, or companies or, or marketers can be thinking about in, in terms of, um, you know, limited availability or it's not just selling a digital image or a product. It's actually about kind of exclusivity and blending the real world. What are the type of things that you've seen or anything you're working on or, or brands who've done it quite well in terms of use of NFT for the non-obvious things like, you know, it's not just selling a print for argument's sake. Yeah. Yeah, it became a bit of a status symbol, didn't it, over the last couple of years. You mentioned Board Ape Yacht Club. You obviously got things like CryptoPunks as well. And the, the kind of companies behind those like Lava Labs and Yuga Labs, they've started to understand that there has to be utility to this type of mm. thing. Um, and with that, you actually saw the the Lava Labs team be acquired by Yuga Labs to go into that that kind of organization just because the the way in which that Bored Ape NFT project has kind of developed, they've started to create new IP. They give their they give their holders the ability to use the likeness from those different uh, characters to be able to monetize it in their own right as well. But again, we're seeing big downturns. We're seeing the kind of the negative side of that type of space with that downturn where where the kind of the value that we were seeing is just not real value. It's again it's speculative value of all this type right. of thing. I think when you that that point you make around like what good types of utility are there, for me, I think you're starting to see the the kind of creation of different forms of governance of different spaces and different things and a concept i love is that of a DAO, so a decentralized autonomous organization and Mm. what that basically is is a new way of structuring like an organization basically Mm. where the use of nfts or tokenization allows people to prove that they are part or, or an owner of this space and you create a governance model where it's not just kind of one or two people saying how things work and it's very hierarchical it's that anyone who's a holder has a vote has a say on where that space goes and you're starting to see different types of DAOs emerge there was the, the really famous one from last year was the constitution DAO, where about forty thousand people tried to to buy one of the 11 versions of the american constitution Ultimately, they didn't win that, but the, the final bid price ended up being like a, a 40 million quid, $40 million right. um, investment from a guy who's apparently, I can't remember his name from my head, but he's very anti-crypto and anti-web free space. So it bo- it boosted the value, but that was very much at the early stages of the DAO. Since then, we've seen them starting to organize in ways in which it allows, for example, like investment into rare forms of artwork and that mm. kind of thing. And just this week, Gucci have bought into that super rare DAO um, to allow them to actually have kind of part of that governance in that space from like a, a, a real physical art piece and like real collectibles, for example. So that's just one of the utilities that I love. And I think you'll start to see like that, that kind of concept of tokenization just develop more and more basically. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, because no, there's a lot. Yeah, there's an awful lot going on. I, I get that example of kind of certificate of ownership. It's kind of like a, a reimagining of of you know buying shares in a company, having some kind of stakeholding in in you know via NFTs. Um, I did read a couple of weeks ago that. NFTs, the markets crashed by, I think it was down 90% or something like that after some NFTs had been nicked, stolen. So, because was, this was the great promise, like it's built on the blockchain, it's unhackable, it can't be stolen. Once it's yours, it's yours. But, so was that a case of hackable technology, a glitch in the system or gullible humans? Because once you've got humans, I mean, you can buy Bitcoin um, 
and you can lose it. If you if you lose the USB that was on in the early days, you've lost them, right? So is it mm-hmm. hackable technology or or humans yeah, being I mean, humans? Yeah, I mean, right now, obviously, the, the the way in which the technology works isn't necessarily like how you imagine, like you log into your to your Gmail or your or your Instagram account, right? Email and password. There are examples of that, but ultimately, what happens is you sign up to a wallet, like a digital wallet, and you get a seed phrase, and that seed phrase is anything from like. 12 to 20 words that you need to kind of store away from everything that gives you access to your kind of collectibles. Right. Now, I'm no, I'm no fool. You're no fool. We know that scams will happen Ooh. with any new technologies. And I think people are quite gullible. People have bought into this space. Like I said, it's like the gold rush. People are going into this space thinking they're going to make a lot of money. They're going to buy something rare, but really like if you're able to kind of pull the shutters down over someone's eyes, like it's, it's very doable. And I mm. think you do see a lot of scams and a lot of rug pulls is something that happens right, a lot yeah. in this space, but there are, there are kind of things that you can do. Like, for example, if you have digital collectibles, putting them into cold storage, there's a organization called ledger that basically create those forms of cold storage where you can save your digital collectibles and your crypto down. Like that's the type of stuff that people are starting to wisen up to and not to save their seed phrase online. Like, like mm. it's just keeping it in a safe place, and like there's there's stories about people putting their seed phrase in like the most obscure places because it's essentially that your key, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so just hiding it away so people can't access it. And I think like if you look at what's happened with like Discord, for example, like Discord's a great example of where these kind of different communities are coming together to to develop this web free space. What started as a kind of gaming conversational platform is redeveloped into like the platform for web free and people kind of developing. And you see so many different kind of scams happening in that space as well. And again, I just think it takes time to understand the levels of of scamming that's happening for people to really kind of control the space itself mm-hmm. um so is it yes it is a bit of a wild west at the moment when it comes to this type of thing but i do think we'll get to a point where there will be measures in place and there will be a much more secure way to do things than than what there is now basically where mm. there is a lot of scams happening right i'm, I'm not going to keep much longer i just got one final question for you so imagine you're talking to a client and they're not fashion because um i can see it's quite easy for me to get my head around why somebody would buy a Gucci handbag in the metaverse because they're, they're, they're not fashion. Um, and they are, I don't know, Cadbury, right? It doesn't matter. And they come to you say, yeah, we want to do something. We want to dabble in NFTs or the metaverse. Um, we don't really know what we should do. What, what advice would you give companies like that? What are the kind of things, what would you advise them on? What should they be thinking about? What should they, not necessarily putting you on the spot to say, what should they do? But what, what advice would you give them? Anyone listening who's saying, I'd love to get involved in this. Just don't know what to, I don't know what way to go about it. Should I get involved or not? What give, give me some wrap it up with some pointers. Yeah, I think I think one of the early points we made in the conversation was about the layers to this space. I think really it's our job as marketers to educate our clients and inform our clients on the different types of ways in which they can enter into this space. Whether it's a digital collectible, whether it's like an AR based experience, even if it's about putting your brand in a game. I think there's so many different ways in which people can start kind of their crawl into this space to then build up to that walk and that sprint. Um, Mm. But I I do think like for everyone, this isn't just a marketing tool. I think everyone needs to do their own research. I think it's really important that people try to understand all of the different mechanics that are going into this new world. And for it to not be a gimmick, everyone needs to have a sound understanding of it. Like, when Tim Berners-Lee Tim Berners leave and create the web, like 
it, it, it didn't just take off overnight, right? It took time for people to understand and adapt mm. their, uh, what, the, what the internet and the web was. That's what's happening right now. Like people aren't just going to understand blockchain technology overnight, but I think eventually we'll get to a point where people will start to just see that this is just a new form of the web. And as I go back to that point, like if we're able to tie it to different things that we do in marketing, great. If not, what are the types of new things that we could do in this space that haven't been done before? And we go on that exploration together as a client and as an agency to figure that out. I don't think it's about just creating these kind of chief metaverse officers mm -hmm. and having that as like a part of your kind of offering at an agency. Mm -hmm. I think for us, it's really about nurturing our, our relationships with our clients and educating them as much as we can, but also learning with them as we go and trying to figure out what these types of new technologies will mean to the mm. brand. Okay. That's great. I, I hope that doesn't go back to bite you because I hope I don't see on LinkedIn in a year <laughs> or two that, oh, you're promoted to chief uh, metaverse officer. Or, uh, you know, this is the danger of doing these things. Because agencies, we're, we're great businesses for making titles up for people. And, you know, we are we are, we are are fantastic at it. But, okay, I feel like I know a little bit more about it. That has been that has been great. I mean, we could talk about you go deep on any one of these things. Um, and I'm sure it will be back in, in lots of different guises. But look, I really appreciated that. Um, you know, I feel like I know a little bit more about it and hope people listen know a little bit more about it. Um, but it's early days. So thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, we had to shuffle it around a little bit, but so uh, thanks for being so accommodating. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. So if you like this episode, why not listen back to some of our other great episodes? You'll find them by simply typing Irish Times Inside Marketing into your search engine of choice. Thanks to Andrea on Sound and Kira in Marketing. And thanks for listening. Until next time, stay safe. The Inside Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Dentsu and Irish Times Media Solutions. 